Yeah, makes sense. So you're not a, a doomsday prepper then, right? No, although I could be. And I, I'm telling you, I could probably fall into that pretty easily. <laughs> but I've thought about that. You know, you watch The Walking Dead and you think, okay, so yeah. well, we've got the lake. Okay, so we're good with fish. We've got the land. I can, you know, we can plant vegetables and stuff. Now, if one of those zombies falls in the lake, then we're we're in big trouble. But <laughs> then, well, at that point, you got to uh, shoot a bazooka into the lake and set it on fire. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Podcast Junkies, episode 98. 98. It's 98. 98 degrees, the band. Are those guys still singing? I wonder what happens to people from boy bands where they end up. Isn't, wasn't Lance Bass interested in space travel? Anyway, big time digression. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't resist, guys. So in case you missed it last week, we had a conversation with Eric Fisher from Beyond the To-Do List. Fascinating conversations always are to be had when you talk to veteran podcasters like Eric. So make sure you check that out. Uh, episode 97. And this week, I speak to someone else who's been podcasting a bit. His name is Corey Finneran, and he's the host of Ivy Envy. Uh, Corey's a really laid-back kind of guy he's 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 quiet and he's also the host of uh podcast group therapy with his wife tawny and nick suberling but it was interesting when you get to talk to someone for about an hour some some funny stuff comes out and this was no different we did talk about how he's had support from his fans and and the patreon group that's been really successful for him but we get into just random topics how he's loves to laugh with his daughter um, his dislike of sports talk radio, and we talk about honeybees as well. So it's uh, an all over the place conversation, and it was fun because I got to chill out with Corey, which I, I don't tend to do, of course, at Podcast Movement. Uh, by the time you'll have listened to this, I'll have uh, hung out a bit more with him, which is always a great thing. So I hope you learn a little bit more about Corey Finneran as a result of this conversation. And in case you are just tuning in and you wonder who I am, my name is Harry Duran. I'm the host of Podcast Junkies, weekly episodes every Monday-ish. And I just have fascinating conversations with some of my favorite friends who happen to be podcasters. Hope you're enjoying it and stay tuned for the uh, retention hashtag at the end of the episode and also a word from our sponsor, Cast Source. Corey Finneran, thank you so much for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Harry, thanks a lot for having me on. And uh, we won't have to tell anyone about the the numerous amount of takes it took us to get just to this point in the conversation. <laughs> I know, and they were all your fault. I mean, that's the weird. That's probably why you don't want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it's embarrassing. You know, I'm supposed to be the <laughs> podcast junkie guy, and I'm screwing everything up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, one of the things we were talking about is this idea of uh, we were laughing because podcast junkies is uh, sounds like it's a lot of people, but it's not. And I was wondering. Um, through the course of uh, Ivy Envy, how many how many people you've had helping you with the podcast? Um, well, when we started off, um, it was kind of funny because so this would have been um, I started kind of putting things together at the end of 2008, and so we launched right before the MLB season. Uh, it's a it's a podcast on the Chicago Cubs. I should mention that. So we started it right before the Cubs season, and I really had no idea what I was doing. And if I explained 
what the the uh, recording setup was, I think everyone would get, get a huge kick out of it because it was just I had no clue. Um, so you, lot, can, you, I don't think you can tease that out. I think you have to let us know. Oh well, okay. So I think um, I had a USB mic plugged directly into the computer. I believe we had two mixers for some reason. I have no idea why. <laughs> just really had no idea what I was doing, and so at that time. For that, so the idea of IV Envy was that whenever I got together with my friends, all we did was talk about the Chicago Cubs, and I really got into podcasting. And I thought, well, we could do a podcast on this that it would just kind of be like casual conversations about the Cubs, the same conversations that all sports fans have with um, friends that have you know are, are fans of the same team, uh, whether it's at a bar or in the backyard for a barbecue or just wherever we we get together with other people. And so that's what the idea was. So the first episode, I believe we had like eight or nine hosts. So it was really just kind of a round table. We sat around my living room and just talked about the Cubs. And so, yeah, with all of that recording equipment, I believe only one microphone was working. If you go back and listen, it must have just been one. And it was just kind of picking up everything in the room. So, um, but so, yeah, it started off as with with um, several hosts we quickly realized that um, some people were more serious about it than others. And it became just a lot easier to run a show with a smaller number of hosts is that's obvious, obviously kind of a given now. Uh, I think everyone would agree with that. So, and then it just kind of became, uh, we would have, if one of our hosts were, uh, was going to be gone, then we would have someone fill in. So we kind of had some like, rotating fill-in hosts or whatever but then uh, and we all lived in the same area so being able to get together in one place worked really well uh now uh, i have moved away from that area uh, just an hour or so and my two co-hosts have moved away an hour in different directions and so once we weren't sitting in a studio it became real clear that the three hosts was was kind of our sweet spot and uh just just for using skype google plus blab whatever we're using at the time and so that that's really kind of what it became and we found our sweet spot there and it's really it's been like that for probably five or six years now i'm wondering if if you had shows that you modeled in terms of format because i imagine if you're first getting started you don't you know you think maybe the idea of having all those people in your living room was a good idea but uh, i imagine you were listening to things that were of interest to you that were pod, you know that were other podcasts and i'm wondering if you thought about format much in the beginning you know we we honestly didn't think a lot about format at the beginning because we wanted to have that casual conversation vibe to everything and what i knew that we did not want to be is sports talk radio so we we were a sports podcast, but I don't like sports talk radio. There's a lot of aspects of it that I just don't care for. And we definitely did not want to become that. So I would say what kind of shaped uh, Ivy Envy is to not be something uh, that we probably would be lumped in with. And more so that than, than listening to... Um, other podcasts and trying to model what they were doing. It was more of the anti-sports talk radio. But although that was the case as far as um, the, uh, you know, running the show, how we did that and how we had our segments and things like that, um, I there were several things that I picked up from other podcasts. One of the first podcasts that I found was um, the Don and Drew show. 
And I was really impressed by their ability to form a community around their podcast. And I, you know, I, I actually kind of became one of the members of their community. Um, I went to some of their meetups. Um, they live about four or five hours from me. And so I, even though they're not sports related at all, I was really uh, motivated and kind of, um, I guess, really impressed by how they were able to form a community around their podcast. And that's, I would say that in some ways I borrowed some of their techniques. And, and so while they weren't sports related, other podcasts did kind of shape what IVMV became. Since this was, since you were podcasting since 2008, there's a lot of things that weren't available back then that we just take for granted now in terms of ways to build community. And so I'm wondering, since you had uh, Don and Drew as an inspiration, were you actively doing things to, to get people to listen to the show in those early days? Yeah, we were using, um, you know, early, you know, the social media that was available at the time, uh, Twitter and Facebook. Um, I've always kind of believed in a very, or the strategy that I've taken with growth is to um, put, just really, uh, I guess, embrace organic growth. Um, I don't do a ton of promotion. Uh, I don't really necessarily paid for, for Facebook ads or anything, maybe other than once a year, twice a year, uh, usually right at the beginning of the baseball season. But word of mouth, um, and, and that is kind of where I put a lot of my efforts. So um, what, what we did with IVMV is we started doing meetups, uh, local meetups. And although most of our listeners didn't live in our area, um, I thought, well, we might as well do this if we're going to get together and watch the Cubs and we can record a podcast. There was a local sports bar that would let us come in and set our stuff up and do like a live recording, which gave us some credibility because it looked like we knew we, we looked like we were radio people. It looked like we knew what we were doing. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, actually, I was just talking uh, to a fellow podcaster yesterday who's who's trying to figure out how to build engagement um, and everything. And I, th- I think that it's good to do those things, even when you know that no one's going to show up because then when people do show up, you have that experience and you're already comfortable with talking in front of people, whether they're there to see you or not, or it being in uh, a place and having your voice bouncing off all the walls and or just meeting people and hanging out with people, whatever form of, of meetup you do. And so, I mean, at the beginning, it was basically my parents would be there and a couple of our friends would show up. Um, but I really think that that was valuable because it kind of got me comfortable with the idea of doing it. And now we do meetups. You know, we actually have one next month um, and we sold 99 tickets wow. for it. And so I feel I feel pretty comfortable doing that because we've done so many other events um, that have kind of built up to that. That's interesting. And I think it's a it's a way of, you know, building community, but also growing your show and allowing you to to monetize it in a way that you feel comfortable with and that allows the people who are the true fans to really participate because i i imagine that if you if you made it for your or maybe this is what you saw early on that everyone would show up and maybe there's like not is it just that there's not enough room in the place for all the people the reason that we sold tickets yeah well actually what it is it's it's a uh we're going up to milwaukee to see the cubs play uh the brewers and so what i did is i worked with the brewers and got a group 
um, seating area and group tailgating in area and everything like that. So, so normally for our events, we don't do tickets or okay. anything like that, it, but this helped to be able to, uh, know ahead of time how many people were coming and yeah. to equip for a tailgate, which involves buying a lot of food. So, <laughs> so are, are you in charge of the, all the arrangement, uh, arranging everything, food and drinks for the tailgate? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Is that, is that your first one of that size? Yeah, I mean, we've probably we've had some events where there's maybe been around 25 people, um, and and that that's worked pretty well. Um, I'm gonna keep it simple. I've decided that's what it's a tailgate. We're at a baseball game, so we're doing hot dogs, <laughs> and uh, I rented a grill uh, that that you know a, a big grill to take up there and set up. And so uh, I feel like by keeping it simple like that, uh, hopefully we'll experience some success with it, and we won't have too many issues. So I think eventually you'll graduate into the like the heavy hardcore tailgaters with the face paint <laughs> and the and the filet mignon steaks and right. all that sort of stuff that you see in the commercials. Yeah, and then we'll be able to write a cookbook. <laughs> I could see that in the future. I mean, talk about so many different things I've seen of of, of uh, output that's coming from person from people's podcasts and the the Ivy Envy cook, tailgating <laughs> cookbook is right up there. I think that yeah. that, that would be good. Except I'm a vegetarian, so a tailgating <laughs> cookbook would not be, be like, oh, this is how this is how you grill your asparagus. <laughs> yeah, that that must present challenges on on barbecue days. Yeah, I make it work. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, one of the things you're talking about, you, you go to these meetups, and you know, obviously, you look official. Um, part of it is probably because you have two mixers out there, and <laughs> that just makes anyone look official. <laughs> right. These guys are so important; they need two mixers. <laughs> Or I wonder if it's like those um, when they have those bands, or sometimes those DJs play music, and you could tell they have a backing track. And then the most obvious, glaring example is that they're, they're playing instruments that are not plugged in. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So your well, mi- your mixers would have like no plugs in them, or something like that. Yeah, and I really lucked out at that stage of the podcast because uh, I had a friend that was way more into audio than I was. Um, he he went to school and did um, music uh, audio recording and stuff. And so he kind of stepped in when he realized that we had no clue what we were doing and he wasn't necessarily a baseball fan or anything. And so for about a year, he actually came to, you know, uh, all of our recordings and produced everything for us, which was great because then I was able to concentrate on being able to put together a better show and knowing what worked, what didn't work and have time to work on that. And I didn't have to worry about editing and, um, managing the recording at the time so then once i got comfortable with running a show i took the the um producing uh, production back from him and so then uh so that was kind of a nice way to to ease my way into podcasting what were some of the things or lessons you learned as far as audio quality at the time of recording you know where you you didn't know it when you started but because of working with your friend you learned that there's certain things you need to be aware of as you're recording because it's harder to fix and post. Right. And that's a big thing is, you know, garbage in, garbage out and, and really being able to uh, take the time. And I think that my co-hosts were probably really annoyed with me for, for quite a while because I was very much an audio snob. Um, and I became that way because every little thing stood out to me and I was like fanatical about trying to get the perfect audio quality and try to, you know, use whatever equipment I could based on the microphones that I had and the environment that we were in to have like crystal clear um, audio, which over the years, 
listeners have said, you know, how much they appreciate that. And the other Cubs podcasts that are out there that they feel that we are kind of the premier uh, podcast when it comes to audio quality and that they really appreciate that. And so I think it was it was a, a, a good uh, investment of time to to really hone in and get that that audio quality. But again, I think audio quality is very important. But now, for instance, as the three of us are spread apart and we have to rely on Internet services uh, to record, I kind of had to give up some of that audio snobbery because it can only get so good uh, with using the Internet. There's going to be hiccups and um, you just kind of have to let that go. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of having that mindset? Because I think with so many podcasts coming on board now, our ability to discern what's good is what and what isn't um, is dependent on things like the first audio, you know, the audio quality we hear on that first episode. And, and I'm wondering if, if, if you feel like it's the same for you as you discover new shows. It is in a way. Um, I still think that content is, is most important. And, and I think as I became, it was kind of about that time when I realized that we weren't going to ha- be able to have crystal clear, perfect sound. I mean, it still sounds really good, but I knew it wasn't going to be perfect. I think I kind of relaxed my um, expectations on other shows, other podcasts that I listen to. And there are some that I listen to that really the audio quality isn't good at all, but the content is extremely valuable. And so I would, I can look past audio if the content is there. The other thing that's important is this topic that you mentioned about uh, organic growth. And I think you probably hear this as well, people that are just getting started, you know, they really want to figure out a way how to ramp up the listenership and get to, you know, 10,000 downloads. And I think what they don't understand that an audience that's built organically has a lot more staying power. Is that what you found? Absolutely. I am. I, our growth with IVMV has been steady, but we didn't really see a, a large increase until um, maybe around 2013 late 2013 or early 2014. So we had been in it for a long time, but I knew that, I mean, with with where our downloads were and where our interaction was and engagement and everything, I was completely content with that. If it would have stayed like that forever, I was okay. I mean, I always wanted to see growth, but I think you have to, you have to understand, I think you have to be able to value the things that go along with those, I guess, what I'm trying to say is like the engagement. I really value, I valued the engagement more than I valued the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really pay too much attention to the numbers because I was very content with the engagement. And in at the beginning, yeah, I think our first episode had like nine downloads, which I'm sure were, you know, eight of the hosts and <laughs> probably my mom. So, but, um, you know, as it grew, I mean, I was just always impressed. And and I think you hear a lot of podcasters say this, and I've heard uh, Dave Jackson say that you think about, you look at your numbers and it may seem small, but then think about actually talking to that many people in one room. How big of a room would that fill? Mm-hmm. And I think it really kind of changes your perspective. And so I, that's the way I've always tried to look at it. And as far as what you were saying about staying power too, I think that's definitely the case to have it being grown organically because with IVMV, I think because our listeners know us and know that we don't 
we're not about we're not doing things to try to drive up huge numbers that we are very consistent. We're very steady. They know what they're getting and we're heartfelt about it. And we, I think that in a lot of ways, we probably remind them of themselves. And so because of that, I think that there's a lot more opportunity for support from within the community as far as like Patreon or something like that, because they know that we don't have big, uh, we don't have a corporation backing us. We don't have huge advertisers backing us. And they know that what we do takes a lot of energy and time and effort. And we all have families. And so I think they appreciate that. And so uh, we've had Patreon it was, has been awesome for us. And um, it makes me wish that it would have been there for years before it started. But um it was really interesting. I was scared to do Patreon. I was scared to open that up and to kind of, I, at the time, it felt like ask our listeners for financial support. But as it turns out, I, I think a lot of a lot of people that listen to IVMV just needed the opportunity to yeah. be able to do that. What's interesting is that I I see that as a trend with podcasts that that are sports related because there's there's such a rabid community when it comes to sports, and I think. The fact that uh, you know shows like yours uh, that have a lot of opportunity to uh, broadcast because of the, it's the nature of the, the sport, and you, if you're talking about every game, that's a lot of lot of opportunities for episodes and people to sure. engage on a regular basis. And so, I find that those communities seem a bit more diehard, and I'm I'm wondering if, if you found that that to be the case, but also loyal, and so it sort of lends itself to what you were saying. I think that 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 is definitely the case. However, I will say that. Um, while sports fans tend to be very loyal, they also tend to be very opinionated. And I think that is one of the things that we did not want to, that is not a direction that we wanted to go, uh, and how we wanted to separate ourselves from sports talk radio is that we have opinions and actually our tagline is strong opinions and marginal analysis, which is kind of a joke. Um, but we don't really have strong opinions or hot takes as they're called in sports. You know, we don't, we, we, any opinion that we have, we really try to like back it up with information. We use a lot of stats and we try to have the show be somewhat informative and not so opinionated, which I think a lot of sports fans that don't necessarily have a very opinionated or competitive nature. I think that they really enjoy that because this is the sports talk that they've always wanted but haven't wanted to listen to meatballs on the radio um, flexing their muscles. So it's um, so I, I think while they're loyal, um, I think also kind of being different and, and uh, giving the, uh, I guess just kind of the vibe of we're not here to argue with anybody. We're not here to argue with each other. We're here to discuss this particular topic and we're going to spend a lot of time on it without 14 commercial breaks like sports talk radio has and, and try to dive in as far as we can to keep it, you know, somewhat digestible for a variety of, you know, listeners in a, in a variety of, I guess, knowledge levels as yeah. far as like diving deep into statistics and stuff like that. So you mentioned the commercial breaks. What else about uh, Sports Talk Radio gets under your skin? Well, callers. <laughs> um, and just the, I, I, you know, and I really try to avoid Sports Talk Radio. And we were actually talking about this on our podcast um, a couple of episodes ago because I had listened to one of the Cubs 
I, I think it was, uh, oh, one of their broadcasters was going to be on Sports Talk Radio. I saw it on Twitter. I thought, oh, I'll listen to it. And um, so I listened to the show and they come in and they do like four or five minutes and then they go to a six minute commercial mm-hmm. thing. I mean, as, and I bet there was eight or 10 commercials or maybe more. And then they came back and didn't really dive into anything deep on any topic. They were just talking about a topic, but I, it just, there wasn't any value to it. It wasn't even interesting. And then they did that interview, which was maybe like 15 minutes long. And I was thinking, Oh, well, this is really nice. They're not interrupting this. And they're not saying, you know, sometimes they'll break in with a, Oh, when you need your, you know, <laughs> septic tank cleaned out, then call Bob or whatever. Roto rooter. Right. Yeah. And, and but then when that was done, I, I looked at the clock because I was really curious how long the commercials were going to be because they had that longer segment. And it was nine minutes of commercials. Wow. And it just it just blows me away that and I think that it's the model that they've fallen into. I think that they they have they have to feed the beast yeah. and they they have to have that many commercials. Um, and so it just really dilutes and waters down the content, I think, and the, the value that they could be providing to listeners. What's interesting is that, you know, for sports fans who are older, that was the only way they could get their information, um, you know, get their fix, get their sports fix. And I'm wondering if you're seeing a shift now to a a lot of people moving towards podcasts and on demand and and wait and, 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 um, platforms that allow them to, to engage more with their, with their, uh, with the hosts as, as, you know, I'm not saying that radio is dying anytime soon, but I, I think, you know, there's probably a lot of people that feel like you feel. Yeah. And, and it's funny you bring that up. So in response to that conversation we had a few episodes ago, um, obviously we made some disparaging remarks about sports talk radio and, and radio in general. And we kind of talked about just that's that the demographic that this is aimed towards, especially even, you know, Cubs radio broadcasts. I think it's just aimed at an older demographic. And so we were kind of joking about that. And then I got an email from a listener who um, she's a a 71-year-old lady from Australia and uh, talked about how she didn't really appreciate those remarks, but but said that she understood. And we had a really good dialogue and stuff. And and I thought that was just really interesting. I would have never pictured a 71 year old woman in Australia listening to yeah. our podcast on the Cubs. Um, so yeah, I think that I, I think as podcasts become more, more easy to consume and they become um, more, uh, I guess uh, the general population is more familiar with that type of content delivery. I think we are seeing it reach um, older generations that you might think are would be past uh, the age where they would be able to apply this technology to their lives. Do you remember a moment where you had a a connection or someone reached out that was listening to the show that sort of reminded you of like how you're affecting other people or, or, or the fact that they're a loyal fan, you know, cause we all, I think as podcasters have that moment when like we get that first connection with our listeners and, and it's sort of jolts us in a way that like, Oh, people are listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even that was early on, it was just somebody commenting on things, you know, and it's yeah. like, Oh my gosh, this person took time to comment on something we said that blows me away, you know, but still, I mean, you know, I get a lot of emails from listeners and, and um, I think it's really important to, 
to respond to those and um, and to show them that you appreciate uh, their feedback or or whatever, because that's something that I think if you don't nurture it, it could go away. Yeah. And I, I think that feedback, a lot of times as podcasters, we're sitting in our basements, we're sitting wherever and we're by ourselves. And it's, it's, uh, I think you need that interaction with other people. And you can't take it for granted. I mean, that, that point about like every single listener, like that engages with you. I mean, I, what I tell people is I treat them like gold because it's like you have to build, and you alluded to this earlier, you have to build your listenership, one listener and one fan at a time. Yeah. And I, I have a terrible memory. And so I do like everything I can to try to remember details about that person. You know, I try to, if somebody interacts and is interacting quite a bit, I make sure I'm following them on Twitter or however they engage with me. And I'm trying to, because I know chances are at some point with the number of meetups and things that we do, we're pro- I'm probably going to cross paths with that person. And I really want to show them how much I appreciate them yeah. and that I actually do remember who they are and what they've told me. Um, but what's interesting is I felt like I really dropped the ball. So last year, uh, the Cubs made the playoffs for the first time in uh, five or six years. And we were doing uh, podcast episodes after every playoff game. And the feedback and the emails were out of control. And I, I just like physically could not respond to all of the emails. And a lot of times it was people just sharing their opinions on what they saw that night. Yeah. And that was really tough to have to say on the podcast. I just want you all to know that I, I promise I read every single email I got. I'm sorry. I just, I just can't respond. Yeah, and yeah. if, if IBM was my full-time job, then yeah, I would be able to sit there and talk all day to people. And I would love to talk Cubs baseball all day, but um, I think at the same time you have, you have limitations and, and uh, there are some things where sometimes you just can't do everything that you would like to do. Did you find that some of the specific platforms worked better for you? Because I, if you, if you started around 2008, I think that was still around the time that Facebook was an important platform because Every time you posted there, the majority of your fans would see what you're posting as opposed to now maybe 10% see it. Yeah, and somehow, for some reason, uh, we have really good organic reach on our Facebook page. And I don't know if it's just the engagement. Uh, obviously, I don't, I don't pay. I used to pay a lot more attention to those things. And, and nowadays, I, I don't so much anymore. But I'm always kind of surprised um, the reach that we get um, sometimes. And I mean... So I think we've always been able to Facebook has always worked really well for us um, because of that. I think with Twitter, we use Twitter and I think I think this is probably different than a lot of other what a lot of other podcasters would experience. But Twitter is where in sports, the the um, moment by moment uh, Mm. dialogue about a particular game or a signing, whatever is going on. That's where that conversation is happening. And so I engage there. I'm active on Twitter. But I would say that's not necessarily where the majority of our listeners are. Our, our listeners tend to be on Facebook. And, and another thing that I'm sure a lot of uh, podcasters have discovered with um, Facebook groups, though that has worked really well for us too. And we created a Facebook group that is only for Patreon supporters. Mm. And the reason that we did that is as far as our brands go or our, our um, social media platforms go, I kind of have to be a little more 
careful about what I say. I have to, you know, make sure that I'm kind of um, representing IVMB well and everything like that. And so our my text conversations with my co-hosts are usually not that way at all because we're actually talking, expressing frustration over the Cubs or jubilation or whatever. And so um, we created the Facebook group to kind of give our give our listeners a chance to have that communication with us where we don't have to be quite so careful about what we're saying. It doesn't have to be quite so PR friendly. And if I'm frustrated about something with the Cubs, I can put it on there and it's kind of a safe place for it because it is a closed group. And I think that that's something too, that our, our listeners enjoy having that engagement with us. The, the, I guess more um, real life engagement. Yeah, that's interesting that you, you, you've you used the group for that. And it, it's almost like an added uh, perk for supporters. Right. And I think any way that you can have them engage further. I know some people like to send like extra episodes or a specific um, email that goes just to Patreon. But I like the idea of the group because I think it's easier to, to manage. You don't have to worry about producing additional content just for right. those folks. Yeah, and and it really just kind of came out of us saying on an episode one time like, you know, oh, I wish we could share what our our text, our group text actually says and what it looks like and everything. And that's where th- that idea kind of came from. So I thought, well, why don't we start a group that, yeah, it's a perk and and it gives us the opportunity. It gives the, our, our listeners the opportunity to get to know us a little bit better. Yeah. But at the same time, we get to know our listeners more because they're, they comment and post on there more than we do. And so I feel like I have a stronger connection with them because of that. It's always a sign in a group that it's achieving um, some success when you have the members engaging on their own and then helping each other out and answering each other's questions. Yeah, and and that's that's where I think like an aspect of community that I always wanted to, or, you know, I always wanted to build community with IVMB, but I didn't really expect to see like uh, someone tweet a picture and they're at a game and they're hanging out with another listener that they've gotten to know through the podcast. I mean, I just think that's a really neat thing. Nice. And the, I, I, I think that's what community is. It's not host to listener and listener to host. It's, it's encompassing and it's listener to listener. And, and it's, it's, it's a really neat thing that I didn't expect. And it kind of surprised me. And I think that's really one of whenever we decide to hang it up or, um, major league baseball decides it's time for us to hang it up and tells us no more. Um, <laughs> I think that those are the things that I'll look back on and I'll I'll know that what we did was worthwhile. Well, what's happened is as you've started to grow the show and, you know, we've been in some other uh, hangouts or or chats where you've talked about the success of the show. I'm wondering if you could um, tell the story of, of how the podcast started to become noticed by other people like within the Cubs organization and how that led to you beginning to get more access. Sure. So it started off, uh, it was pretty scary when it, when it first happened. Um, I would say, so this was maybe like 2010 or 2011, somewhere in there. And the biggest Cubs podcast at the time had recently been shut down by major league baseball. Uh, it was named, it was called Cubs cast. And one of the first sports podcasts, uh, there are, Lots of uh, sports podcasters that that say that uh, Cubscast is their influence and the reason that they started podcasting. Um, and so Major League Baseball gave them a cease and desist uh, for using the, the name Cubs. And so I knew that we were OK because we were called Ivy Envy. And if 
anybody listening wonders why it's because there's Ivy on the wall at Wrigley field. Um, and so I, and we were really careful, like the colors that we used in our iTunes artwork, we used a blue that was just a, just a very slight shade off. We were trying to be very careful about not stepping on any of their branding and making sure that people realize we were not affiliated with the Cubs. So, um, one day I got a direct message tweet from the official Cubs Twitter account. Mm. And it said, this is so-and-so here's my phone number. Please call me. And I thought, Oh no. Well, that was fun while it lasted, <laughs> you know? That's funny. Uh, so I called him and he said, um, he said, Oh, I just wanted to let you know that, um, I, I, we listen to the podcast and we read the website cause we were blogging a lot more at the time. And I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think like, oh, what have I said? What did I say? Oh no. Um, and he said, well, you brought something interesting up on the podcast and you wrote a blog post about, and it was a, it was a thing where the Cubs were doing this contest through, you know, it's a major league baseball thing. And I was reading the fine print at the bottom and it said that to win this contest, you had to live within a hundred miles of Wrigley field to be able to win. And, and the, the prize was tickets to a game. And so I talked on the podcast about how I just thought that that wasn't right because Cubs fans are all over the place. We travel. I live, I'm a Cubs fan in the region and I live over a hundred miles away, hmm. but I will go spend an entire day and spend money up there and buy tickets. And I thought, well, if it was free, I'm still going to go, you know, it just didn't make sense to me. And so we just kind of talked about that on the podcast. And he said, well, I want to let you know that I think you've raised a lot of really good points. And, um, that's actually not a Cubs rule. He said it's a major league baseball rule, but I wanted to let you know that we uh, got our attorneys together and we asked major league baseball for an exemption from that rule um, based on the, the points that you made. Wow. And he said, I just want to let you know that major league baseball did change that rule for us. Wow. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> so we went from, I'm thinking the Cubs and major league baseball are shutting us down to them telling me that on my silly little podcast, we got a major league baseball rule changed. <laughs> that's, so that's crazy. Yeah. And so I've really just been able to stay in contact with, with um, the, the PR department and the social media department of the Cubs. Um, and we, uh, that allowed me to be able to work with some of the minor league teams. And at the time the Cubs were absolutely terrible. We, uh, the Cubs had new ownership, new front office management, and they wanted to do a complete overhaul of the team. And so they really just deconstructed the team, built it from the ground up through all of these young prospects who happened to be coming through the Midwest in these minor league teams and everything. And so that kind of opened the door for me to have access to those players and players that are, uh, you know, really important to the Cubs success right now. And we were, so we were able to interview them when they were younger, get to know them and everything. So it was just kind of a chain reaction. Um, and it's while they can't, uh, give us complete access to everything like regular media. And a lot of that is just space limitations. Um, yeah. there's just not room for it, but they have, the Cubs have actually kind of embraced new media. They do a, a couple times a year, they do like a special day for bloggers and podcasters and, um, they give us access to a member of the front office and we're able to ask questions. They've actually broken fairly big news uh, with that group before. So um, it's, it's for, it's kind of all over the board when it comes to sports, as far as how the individual organizations embrace 
podcasting and embrace new media. Um, and I'm really happy it's early on. The Cubs were one of the worst. And now I would say by far, they're one of the best. And so that's, we've been really lucky with that. It must've felt like really good. Like, uh, I don't know if the, if the, if the phrase is that you've arrived or that you'd made it or something like that, but I'm wondering if some of those thoughts were going through your mind as, as these sort of things were happening. Um, I think what probably went through my mind is I shouldn't be here. <laughs> so yes, I was really excited. Um, and I think sports being a sports fan is a very generational thing. And so I'm a Cubs fan because my grandfather was a Cubs fan and he passed away, um, when I was younger. And so I think like when I'm put in these situations, I just kind of think like, what would he think that I am able to talk to Cubs fans, Cubs fans all over the world, listen to my stupid opinions on the Cubs and, and my thoughts on the Cubs. And I have access to the, I've been in the Cubs front office and been in these rooms that I would have never had the opportunity to go into and see things and talk to people. And so I, I do think about that a lot, but a lot of times it is, especially as it's happening, I'm thinking, Oh, I should not be here. I'm, <laughs> I don't belong here. But I think with each passing year, I mean, I, I imagine you're settling more and more into that role that you earned as a result of building up this goodwill. You know, like you said, it took four or five years before you got some traction. Yeah, yeah, it definitely took a while. And I think what's important, too, is that even though we've been able to have access to things and I, and I, I definitely share the information on the podcast, people still know that that we are comfortable being fans that that that's where we belong that we are our fans and occasionally we get access to things occasionally we have information on things but for the most part we are fans and so i think that we have been able to kind of maintain the vibe that we've had all along because it's very important to us and we see ourselves that way and we would prefer that our listeners still see us that, that way rather than a uh an authorized voice of anything or have, um, in, uh, you know, information that, uh, a normal fan perhaps wouldn't be able to get their hands on. Very interesting. So as you were building all this up, uh, you, you're, I would say it's safe to say that your, your household eventually became a, a podcasting household. It did. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, my wife also podcasts. She does mommy's cocktail hour. Um, I, and then it, I was able to, I, I, I was an education, uh, a counselor for special education students. And so I was able to convince my employer at the time that we needed a podcast. And so I started doing that for my job too at that time. So yeah, there was lots of podcasting going on in the house and, and the kids, the kids are going to start one at some point. I know it. Well, that's what's. Yeah, I see that as a uh, just a natural follow up because now that mom and dad are both podcasting, shout out to Tony. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's I think it's nice for you to have the opportunity to show them, and I'm, they must be naturally curious. I would imagine, you know, what what's daddy doing in the basement, you know, <laughs> recording right. these episodes. And I think to the extent that you can get them comfortable, maybe either with the technology or this idea of being. Uh, having a, a platform for their opinions or their or their hobbies, I think it's it's really interesting. Yeah, they're definitely interested in it. And I mean, this is the YouTube generation. Uh, they're way into video. They they make their own videos. And uh, they're, I've had my oldest daughter on IVMV a couple of times. 
Um, for instance, the Cubs got a new mascot, which they were like the only organization that did not have a mascot at the time. And all the old grumpy fans were terribly opposed to it, that this is just the Disneyfication, if that's a word, of of Chicago Cubs baseball. And so I had her on the podcast. She was maybe seven at the time and asked her, like, oh, what do you think about Clark? And what do you think? How might, how might that uh, uh, change your experience at the ballpark? Basically trying to show people that this isn't for us. It's for yeah, her. Yeah. And so she's been on the podcast a few times. She loves um, going to IVMV meetups and meeting listeners and everything. She loves it. And uh, so they're, they are interested in podcasting. What I'm trying to show them is that people don't necessarily – they would like to just um, talk about their day. Or talk about, you know, just, oh, here I am brushing my teeth. You know, they do all these types of videos. We need to, you know, try to try to share your opinions or try to bring value to people. So I'm trying to, like, instill that before I actually let them uh, get a uh, Libsyn account. We're going to work on uh, (laughs) (laughs) work on having a a purpose to the show. Not like, uh, well, uh, Rob Walsh's son has a has his own podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. And actually, I listened to that with my daughters. Okay. Um, and I, I use him as an example that, you know, he'll talk about uh, if he gets an email from somebody, he'll talk about uh, that location and he'll teach people about things. And so, see, he's bringing he's educating us. He's bringing us value. That's what we need to do. We don't need to talk about your you know, whatever your, your uh, dolls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the other uh, accolade is. uh being a finalist in the sports category for the podcast awards. Yeah. So we, uh, for, for the, the podcast awards, I think we've been finalists for three years in a row now. Um, and we've lost to ESPN every single year. However, uh, this year ESPN is not eligible. So Mm. maybe we have a chance. I don't know. Um, and this year we were also, uh, finalists in the Academy of podcasters awards with, which that just blew me away. I mean, I knew that, because we have such an engaged and loyal audience, anything that involves voting, I feel like we have a pretty good shot with that just because people do want to support us and they, they, they see themselves as part of IVMV. So it's kind of like that community thing. Uh, but the, with the Academy of Podcasters, with not really listeners not having any influence over that or anything, that, that really shocked me. So it's a, it's a real honor to be nominate anybody that's that's been nominated before knows that it's it's a real honor just to be there and whether you win or not i mean it's just to be able to get recognized by fellow podcasters and your listeners that that they appreciate what you do it's a real humbling thing well you've got the nominee uh speech down pat because <laughs> that's a <laughs> That's what a lot of the nominees say, and then they're like anxiously waiting. And I wish we could have like the same five cameras like they do in the Oscars for all the people when they're when they announce the winner. But I imagine you're going to have to have the little white card in your side pocket just in case you get up there. So. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Tr- I I actually did prepare uh, a speech for the uh, podcast awards last year. Um, and I, I thought it was really clever. I was ready for it. I thought I could nail it. Now I don't know if I'd have the guts to do it. So I'll have to come up with a backup plan. Well, it never fails, right? The, the minute you don't have something ready is when you're getting called <laughs> up there. So. Yeah. I think, uh, 
I wonder if they they should do something like um, a behind the scenes where they take all those Academy Award nominees and follow them around and see what they do with because they all have a speech prepared, right? So like, how do they sure. dis- dispose of it? Like, <laughs> like I didn't want that thing anyway. Yeah, see, mine would probably go up on the studio wall. <laughs> like, see, at one point I had a reason to put together a speech, <laughs> or you could read it over the air. You know, say, hey, because yeah. you, you do want to give that thanks anyway, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we definitely do that. I mean, throughout, and that's the podcast awards thing is really, it's such an awkward thing to ask people to vote so often. And so I feel the, the need anytime we do it to really thank our listeners. Cause I mean, it's, uh, they just blow me away and they, they've improved my life. They've improved my Cubs fandom. I'm a better Cubs fan because of the people that listen to our podcast. And so. And so you became a podcasting household, you had your own show, you were helping Tony with her show, but you decided that that wasn't enough. (laughs) (laughs) And you decided to start another podcast with uh, another podcaster. Right, with uh, Nick Suberling, uh, Podcasters Group Therapy, and Tawny is also on that too. And uh, yeah, that's a podcast that we wanted to, there's a lot, there's lots of podcasts on podcasting obviously uh you're a host of one of them yes um w- one of the we wanted to be a little bit different in that like ivy envy was kind of um eavesdropping on cubs fans talking to to each other and just hanging out that's kind of what we wanted podcasters group therapy to be was just us talking about the different topics and the different issues in podcasting and just between the three of us, and sometimes we would have somebody come on if they were a little more informed in a particular area, something we wanted to talk about. Um, because the three of us were so busy with everything, all of our podcasting adventures, um, it's it's actually on the shelf right now. Uh, we haven't put out an episode in quite a while, and we've there have been several times in the last couple months. It's like, oh, we should do an episode. Okay, let's do it. And just trying to find the time to do it is just very difficult. Nick's now doing a a, a new podcast on the um, soccer team oh, yeah. in Cincinnati, oh, yeah. and so him doing that and me right in the middle of Cubs season and everything. It's just it's tough, and and we really wanted to be consistent with it, but at the same time, it was the main focus always needed to be on our, our regular shows and our, our podcasts. And we didn't want those to suffer uh, because of podcasters group therapy, but I, it's something I would love to get back into. And I think at different times of the year, we'll be able to throw out a bunch of episodes, but I, I'm not sure if we'll ever get it to be as consistent as we originally wanted it to be. Well, I think it's important. What you mentioned there is the fact that you you decided you were at a point where you realized that the quality was going to suffer or you were going to be slapping episodes together just because the timing wasn't working out. And then I think, you know, the fact that you made the call to put it on hold, mm-hmm. I think maybe I would say it speaks to the fact that you wanted to always have a quality show and not just put one out there for the sake of putting one out there. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the case, because if anybody's going to notice that you kind of threw something together at the last minute and didn't really have enough to do an episode. If anybody's going to notice that it's other podcasters. Yeah. That's been happening. You know, I'm wondering a lot of times when we think about progress or, or we um, look back and we, you know, we say, how have we grown in the past week or the past month? It's hard because it's so recent, but because you've been podcasting since 2008, have you, have you taken the time to look back and, at all you've accomplished 
and that has happened in your life because you started a podcast? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I do, but I think it takes a conscious effort to do that. I think you, when you're when you're working stuff and you're down in the muck and you're you're working, you don't take a step back. You don't you don't kind of elevate above everything to look down at what's going on. And I think at, at different points, I think there are things that that make that happen. You know, for instance, the podcast awards thing. You know, it kind of takes you. It kind of causes you to to take a step back take a deep breath and just think, wow, that's, that's actually pretty amazing. I didn't really think that anything like that would ever happen. And, and, and so, uh, and I think that's what it is. It's when certain things happen. Uh, a local TV station has me on, uh, on a fairly regular basis to talk about the Cubs. And so when that first started happening, I thought, oh my gosh, like this is, this is amazing. You know, there's lights and everything. And so it's, I think it's when you kind of have those, um, I guess peaks or not, not peaks like as in milestones after. Yeah. Milestones. There we go. It's when you have those milestones, I think that's when things kind of sink in. Yeah. I, I recently had one of those cause, uh, Danny Pena of Gamertag radio was a 10 year podcaster and he was coming to LA and he said, we're going to be recording at CBS studio. Why don't you come by and interview the guys? And I was like, Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sitting at the console, you know, and what's great is like, it's every podcaster's uh, dream. You just sit and you just talk and then you you get up and you leave and someone else is doing like everything else. It's like, okay, <laughs> there's like a guy in the sound booth is like, okay, we'll get you the audio sent. And it shows up in my email like two days later. I was like, I could get used to this. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, changing gears a little bit. Um, what do you think is one of the most misunderstood things about you? Oh, that's a good question about me. Um, well, I, whew, that's a really good question. Um, here's the thing is I think if there is a misunderstanding about me, I think I tend to embrace those things. <laughs> because yeah. In a way, sometimes I like to keep people on their toes. Nice. And so um, I, I think if there is a misunderstanding, as long as it's not that, oh, that guy's a jerk. Um, I hope people don't think that if, if they do think that, then I also hope that's a misunderstanding. Um, but, uh, I, I think, and that's, that's something too. I mean, this is kind of related to that. I think, uh, one of the things with Ivy Envy is that I try to keep listeners on their toes and I try to, I, I have, uh, I'm not afraid to go down the self deprecation route. Um, and so I give, and I often set my, co-hosts up to be able to do those things and and so i I think um doing those types of things and and probably admitting things uh that most people wouldn't admit or uh sharing details that i mean aren't aren't incredibly personal or anything but i think would catch people off guard especially when you're a cubs podcast and you're talking about cubs baseball and then i'll talk about we we have chickens so we live in the middle of so i'll share some some chicken stuff or i'll i'll you know make a joke about wearing a speedo and you know (laughs) these types of things and and so i think i try to catch people off guard with that so i i I don't know if I answered your question. Well, no, I, what I think is interesting is this idea of injecting your personality into the show. And over the course of years, you know, loyal listeners start to like get this well-rounded picture of who you are and the fact that you're not just this one, you know, one dimensional podcaster who, who just, you know, podcasts about sports and there's other aspects. And I think that makes for more connection with your listeners in the long run. 
I yeah, I definitely think so. I I listen to a ton of podcasts, and there are some that I listen to that I love the podcast, and I just don't feel like I know the hosts. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like they really let me in, and that's something that was has been important with IVMV from day one is to to be real. And I think because of that, there's a lot of inside jokes and not inside jokes in a way that if you listen to our podcast, you don't know what we're talking about, but um, they'll just be a little, we're not going to go on and tell this long story of an inside joke, but they will just be little references here and there. And so people kind of start picking up on those things. Listeners in their uh, emails to us, you know, questions to answer on the show, they'll reference some of those things in the, the Facebook uh, Patreon community. They'll, throw some of that stuff in there. So I think it really does just create the opportunity for a, a deeper connection with, with your community. When's the last time you left out loud? Um, probably when you asked me the question, I didn't know how to answer. <laughs> um, uh, well, I also have, uh, yeah, my daughters, they cause me to laugh out loud a lot. Nice. Um, we have, uh, so our daughters are only 14 and a half months apart. So they're nine and eight. And our eight-year-old just constantly catches me off guard. And she is a character. And so I laugh out. And I don't even know if it's intentional. But I laugh out loud constantly with her. Yeah, that's really special because those are the moments that you remember. And they sort of, you know, there's some innocence at, at those ages that kind of brings you back down to earth and makes sure you're not taking yourself too seriously. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun thing. It can be very frustrating too, but <laughs> for the most part, it's fun. Yeah. You'll, you'll uh, look back fondly on the, on the, on the times you were laughing. Yeah. Yeah. I try to write down, that's a nice thing about social media too, though, is that with the time hop app, I'm able to go back and, and see some of the things that she's done or has said over the years that I've shared on Facebook. So it's uh, like my grandmother used to, to write down the funny stuff that she did or said. Wow. Um, so it's like technology has made it easier for me to, to relive some of those things through time hop. Very cool. What's, uh, something you've changed your mind about recently? Well, I changed my mind a lot. Um, and, and I think anybody that, that podcasts and has ideas and thinks this is a brilliant idea, I'm going to go in this direction and does that. And then, no, I, I shouldn't do that. I should do this. I, I change my mind all the time. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I think it's, it's a good thing because um, I let, I tend to let ideas show me whether or not they're worth pursuing. And um, I think if you just, if you don't change your mind, then you're probably going to go down the wrong road. Uh, I guess uh, completely not podcast related. Uh, something I've changed my mind about is that I really want to do honeybees. Really? <laughs> and yeah. And I've thought about it for a long time and I've come really close to pulling the trigger and I've just decided uh, not to do it. So I guess that's something I, I changed my, and I change my mind on honeybees a lot. <laughs> I go back and forth. But. So there's a chance you could switch back. Yeah. The problem is we live, we live um, out in the country um, and there's anybody that, is paying attention, I think knows the honeybee, uh, crisis, I guess. And I don't know exactly, I don't follow it well enough to know exactly what the causes are, but I know that, uh, we live in the middle of cornfields and everything, and they put a lot of harmful, um, pesticides and, and, or, you know, uh, weed control and spray and everything like that. And so, um, I, I think that's one of the reasons that I've changed my mind is I don't want to invest like, $800 in honeybees so I can 
get some some fresh honey and and then have them wiped out by the chemicals that they're dumping all around us. Mm. Well, it's, it would seem like a natural next step. I, is it does it go from chickens to honeybees and then goats or something like that? <laughs> well, hey, I'm I'm those are the I w- I'm very interested in goats. Yeah, I'm interested in all those things. I I kind of enjoy being able to in a way live off the land. I guess I'm not like a naturist or anything like that. I just I think it's really I love being able to go out and get eggs for breakfast. And yeah. I think that it would be really neat to have goat milk and my own honey. And I, I, we, we have, we live on a lake and so I can go out and catch some fish and fry them up. Like, I just think that's kind of a, it's an, it's an interesting thing. And, and I mentioned that I'm vegetarian. Uh, so people are probably wondering like, what the heck is he talking about? But um, that is actually the only meat that I eat is if I catch and clean and prepare the fish on my own the fish from our own lake mm-hmm. uh that, that's the only meat that i will eat just because i feel like it's uh i don't know it's not like a big philosophical reason or anything i just feel like um i i'm part of the the cycle yeah. i guess you know that that i didn't go to a store to buy something it didn't come from a factory farm that it, it's it's something that i guess in a way i produce so yeah it makes sense so you're not a, a doomsday prepper then right no, although I could be, and I, I'm telling you, I could probably fall into that pretty easily, <laughs> but I've thought about that. You know, you watch the walking dead and you think, okay, so yeah. well, we've got the lake. Okay. So we're good with fish. We've got the land. I can, you know, we can plant vegetables and stuff. Now, if one of those zombies falls in the lake, then we're, we're in big trouble. But <laughs> then well, at that point you got to uh, shoot a bazooka into the lake and set it on fire. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that seems like a good place as any to wrap this up. <laughs> And I think, um, you know, what's interesting is having the ability to paint like a well-rounded picture of my guests. And I think we succeeded in that today. All over the place. That's that's where I feel comfortable. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and uh, for finally coming on here because I think it was a long time coming and and I'm really happy we got to tell your story. Yeah, thanks a lot, Harry. I really appreciate it. Uh, What's the best place for folks to track you down? Yeah, well, if they're if they happen to be a Cubs fan, uh, ivmv.com is the place to go. Or uh, otherwise, follow me on Twitter. Uh, my personal account is at Corey Finneran. And the link to the Patreon page? Yeah, it's um, it, it's just Patreon.com/ivnv. Okay. Yeah, so I recommend folks check out the podcast, support the show, because as podcasters, every little bit counts, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, so. Yeah, thanks again, and uh, I look forward to catching up at Podcast Movement. You're going to be there, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I get to go to two Cubs games while I'm up there, too. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You mentioned that as well. So, yeah, I'll see if I can uh, swing one of those. I've never been to the stadium, so that'd be interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, you're welcome to go with us on yeah. uh, Wednesday if you want. But I have yeah. to see, You have to see what time I'm getting in. So we'll see. Yeah. But either way, the Podcast Nerd Fest is coming up soon, and we'll all get to geek out. <laughs> Yeah, I look forward to seeing you and everyone else. Yeah. Thanks again, Corey. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.